Welcome to the Realtel Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Downs, the founder and CEO of The Realtel, and we're on a mission to improve retail customer experience, to measure website speed and design, quality of product information, cart and checkout experience, post-purchase communication, fulfillment and packaging, customer services quality, and overall sustainability of products and packaging. If you're interested in learning more about the Realtel Customer Experience Report, just go to www.itworks.company forward slash the Realtel, and there you can find more information and some examples of the Customer Experience Report. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of shipping as part of the e-commerce customer experience. In my experience, the significance of shipping options and the cost of making those happen are often underestimated in relation to the success of a website. Now, over the years, my default go-to person related to all things shipping optimization is Rob Hangozada, Joint Chief Executive Officer at ShipIt, a software company that basically connects shipping options presented on a website with service providers to allow maximum choice and convenience for consumers. From humble origins, Rob and his partner in crime, Will On, have built a company that powers many of Australia's leading e-commerce websites. Rob, welcome to The Retail, and thanks for joining me today. Paul, thanks for having me on this sunny afternoon. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's get into it. So to the layman, put it in a box, chuck it in a van, deliver it to the front door. How hard can shipping be? Is this a correct assessment? And if not, how hard is this to do? Oh, look, you know, um, it's, it's all in the name of logistics, right? It's, it's pretty logical. I think chucking it in a box and chucking it over the fence is, is probably more, more, more uh, appropriate. But realistically, it, it is a very complex process, you know, it's arguably one of the more refined arts of the e-commerce world. Just the, the level of coordination, planning, you know, that, that's kind of required to get parcels moving is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a real feat to, to kind of see in action. And I think, you know, any e-commerce business that doesn't outwardly admit that they are a logistics company that happens to sell product is, uh, is, is probably giving themselves to an extent, mate. I think that the, the, the challenge with shipping is it seems so simple on the surface, but the the process of making sure it works seamlessly for an end customer, there's a lot of magic behind the scenes that sort of all coordinate together to, to make sure deliveries hit the customer when they're expecting it. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I think the, the that expectation management, and I'm talking as a, a consumer here as rather than a consultant, is you want to know what's going on in the journey, I've got I've got a package now, actually, right now, actually, that was shipped last Friday from Melbourne, and I've got no idea where it is. It's not here yet, which is not great, and that that materially affects my end experience. And he, even a note that says, "Hey, it's here, and we expect it to be with you by this date," I think makes a big difference to the consumer experience. What do you reckon? Well, the the biggest misconception in e-commerce is that uh, you know logistics is just the the last mile, right? It's just yeah. uh, it's just it's just the add-on. It's the it's the afterthought of the process. And you know, I think over the last ten years, you'll probably see the industry uh, you know has evolved uh, dramatically to focus almost all on that last mile right now. Mm. We've seen the industry evolve in the way that you know you are, you acquire customers or attract customers to the website, convert them on site build baskets, you know, drive loyalty and, and a whole bunch of stuff. And I remember a few years back, um, you know, when I ordered my Apple Watch, which was a, a brand new device that just hit the market, I was so excited. I could not jump on a website without seeing the Apple Watch somewhere and I just had to have it. And I remember going through this amazing UX online, hitting that buy now button and I was left with 
probably one of the worst tracking experiences I've ever felt. And that just didn't sit right with me. What people are expecting today is vastly different to what they expected 10 years ago. And you've got Uber and the like to thank for that. You know, it's that instant gratification, that constant transparency. And the fact that we need to respect that a delivery isn't just uh, a box moving from A to B. It's the gift you're giving to your daughter. Uh, it's the it's the anniversary present that you're waiting on to give to your wife for that special moment. It's it's emotional. And what we're shipping today in, in you know, the majority of cases is anxiety rather than joy, right, Paul? Yeah. That's a great that's a great way of summing it up. And I think with when we're assessing as part of the real real tale from a consumer experience point of view, is is that transparency is absolutely key to a good experience or a, or a less crap experience if it's delayed, right? I mean, again, if you information is or knowledge is power, so you can do something with that if you know. But if you're just left hanging and not knowing, it just for whatever it doesn't matter what the reason is. You know, COVID nineteen is probably the reason my. Uh, my, my package hasn't arrived this week. And that's fine. But just to be told what's going on is is helpful and makes a massive difference. Yeah, look, I think what, what we're seeing is a major trend right now is this this hunger and thirst for, for transparency. Um, yeah. What what used to fly and used to be okay, uh, you know, probably just, yeah, probably two years ago, actually, was not, not having a certain level of transparency around where a delivery is at was kind of okay. You kind of expected it's par for the course. You know, I've ordered something online rather than going into a store. I'll give it a few days and I'll kind of see what happens. Fast forward to today and in the last, you know, five months or so, we've seen the industry dramatically evolve because, you know, online shopping is the only way to, to access retail in some states, right? So, um, yeah. you know, for, for, for those right now stuck in uh, Victoria, it's the only way that you can actually consume product that's non-essential. And for that, you know, comes a great deal of responsibility for retail and for logistics players to provide customers with transparency on where things are at and to provide a certain level of flexibility as well as, um, as we all know, plans tend to change. And when you're waiting on something that's important that you've parted with your cold hard cash for, you know, you expect some degree of control around uh, where that delivery goes. You know, simply yeah. having it rock yeah. up to a post office and you needing to go down there to pick it up is not something that customers are willing to put up with anymore. Sure, sure. Well, I think you, you're kind of eating into my next question there, because as I say, you've been in the ship, <laughs> shipping game for about five years now. How's this changed since you started? So obviously, you mentioned transparency a few times, and that's um, that's absolutely right. What other innovations have you seen over the last few years to improve the shipping experience? You know, half a decade ago, um, I think it was common practice not to get uh, tracking information once you hit that buy now button. You know, oftentimes you'd have to ask a retailer where your package is. There was a massive reliance on the on the the carrier to uh, send the tracking advice to the end customer, and it was all up to the carrier in terms of how they communicate with the end customer. I think in terms of innovation, we've seen a lot more innovation in driver technology within the logistics industry, and by that we've moved away from these old school PDAs that you know used to be pretty clunky for for the the career drivers to kind of use and enter data in, the impact of that basically meant that, you know, live updates to tracking events weren't actually synchronizing at the right time. So you'd have this real delayed onset. And when we started sharing tracking information very openly and proactively with customers, you know, back in 2015, it actually caught a lot of the carriers by surprise because it exposed a lot of the data uh, issues that the carriers would have. 
So, you know, seeing driver technology come a long way, it actually means, you know, GPS coordinates of where delivery is, you know, photographs of proof of delivery and things like that have also evolved. So it's kind of fulfilling the carrier's end of the bargain when it comes to transparency. But from a retailer's point of view and a customer's point of view, the delivery experience has become a lot more important rather than cost, which was often the decision to use a particular carrier over there another when, when we first started in the shipping game. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. What about um, RFID tags over the last few years? Are you seeing more of those being attached to products and how are they being used to assist with the tracking process, if any? Look, within the B2C game, it's not something that I've personally seen mm. use that that prominently. I think, you know, wherever there's been case studies and, and I think, you know, if you've, you've um, seen any of the case studies with C-Folly, uh, uh, you know, over the past few years where they, they had these amazing trial stores where their bikinis had RFID tags embedded, yeah. you know, the, the prevalence of that technology in the logistics space is less than what it is in, uh, in kind of the, the, the main retail space. I think, you know, the, the old RF scanner is still being used to scan barcodes and barcodes are a massive enabler for, for logistics. Yeah. And looking at barcode standardization and things like that, there's been, you know, a lot of innovation around that. And I'm sure the GS1 uh, verification nerds in the room would be very passionate about this stuff. But, you know, the innovation hasn't really been more than, than, than simple sort of, you know, barcode consolidation or QR codes uh, in the space. Right, right. Okay, so in light of if we sort of come forward to today, and obviously, the last six months have seen a dramatic shift in in everything, actually, um, with uh, COVID-19. What are the key issues that, that retailers are experiencing with shipping and, and how are you helping them solve those problems? It's a great point, Paul. You know, and I think it's it's obvious everyone in the retail industry at the moment is dealing with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of overwhelming demand if they operate an online channel. And if they don't operate an online channel, they've probably set one up. Looking at, at the penetration of e-commerce and the, the volume of demand, we, we've basically seen a doubling of demand on our platform. And that it's quite indicative of the market from what we see. I think Australia Post came out with an article today to say that every day is like Christmas. Yeah. You know, Monday this week uh, was the third biggest day of trade behind Cyber Monday, Easter Tuesday last year. And, you know, that, that's saying something because like, this Monday wasn't a special event at all. Sure. Um, so we're seeing this overwhelming demand um, hitting networks. And speaking to some prominent retailers, um, you know, the past couple of days, you know, they always talk about the fact that planning for peak is a seven or eight month process, right? So mm. it's gearing up your supply chain, understanding how the operations are going to work through, making sure your logistics and fulfillment partners are up to speed, et cetera, et cetera. This has been completely un unannounced and unexpected, and so the industry is trying to respond as best they can. Long story short, Paul, I guess the impact ultimately is SLAs or the, the estimate delivery dates that carriers tend to provide to retailers and to the customer. For some carriers that don't have a high degree of automation, that's gone out of the window. Yeah. So you're seeing extensive delays on delivery. You've seen an increase in contactless delivery, um, and in the old world, it used to be called authority to leave. Yeah. That's actually been a real boon for the industry. Um, so we've kind of seen this odd thing where first-time delivery rates have skyrocketed to the 90s, uh, you know, in the 90 percentile, where it used to operate at sort of the 50 to 60 percentile. Yeah. But, 
you know, delivered on time rates have actually uh, plummeted quite a bit, particularly for guaranteed express services, you know, and they're sitting around, you know, 50% and maxing out around 70 to 80%. So you're seeing probably about a, a one to three business day impact on the average delivery in the Australian market at the moment. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're certainly seeing that with, with our clients, just the, the amount of capacity projects that we're working on is, um, is quite incredible. I can imagine. So when we think of shipping, what are the gotchas that you like I've been talking to the retailers here that kind of maybe aren't that experienced in the importance of shipping and the options what are the what are the gotchas that many retailers uh, that obviously don't work with you uh, right now <laughs> stumble into when it comes to constructing a first class shipping strategy what do they often get wrong oh look i'm going to be a little bit biased i'm, I'm going to definitely put it out there and say a multi-carrier shipping strategy is uh probably the best thing an online retailer can invest in right now given the uncertainty in the market. I think yeah. the, the big gotchas have traditionally been, right, I'm going to sidle up with one particular supplier because they can handle all of my needs yeah. um, and I'm going to negotiate the best price because I'm going to throw all my volume into that one carrier. That creates a major dependency risk um, for a lot of retailers. We, we've seen it in the headlines this year. You know, We had, we had three pretty big events uh, to hit the logistics industry. One was the bushfires at the end of last year. Yep. The second one was uh, toll going under a cyber attack, uh, which rendered their entire infrastructure useless and yep. in, unable to, to actually process any deliveries on the platform. Mm. And then the third thing is now, now with COVID and networks kind of hitting capacity where there are major delays in depots in particular carriers. Yep. So... I think the, the gotcha here is, you know, not having optionality within the logistics space is is becoming a very important need for retailers to solve for, and also not being fooled to to kind of negotiate the lowest absolute price in market uh, where there's ultimate temptation to do so. It's about finding probably the most reliable services at the right price and making the most of that. Right. So it's reliability and. I think you mentioned it right at the beginning of this is like the quality of the experience as well as the cost. Correct. Correct. And why do why, why do retailers only pick a single supplier? Is it just you know path of least resistance, literally? As far as easier to do that. Yeah, I think it's it's a hangover of the logistics industry where, and this probably goes back to when when we first started out in the shipping game five years ago. Every carrier was trying to compete for the same parcels. Mm. And the trick was always to get the lowest price, you would yeah. need to take 100% of a retailer's volume right. because you're getting economies of scale. Yeah. The problem is with e-commerce freight based on their dispersions and where they head to, you know, they could be a very varying size, varying destinations, you know, and they would really be stretching the networks of some of the, the kind of smaller providers in the market. And actually what would happen to a lot of couriers is that they'd operate at a loss. But it's a hangover from when logistics was a, a lot more straightforward, where you're delivering from a warehouse to a to another warehouse, um, and you're shifting pallets. Um, that was yeah. traditionally the habit. And there's also the the, the temptation to seek out the absolute low, lowest price point in market, because logistics for an e-commerce player is typically the third biggest cost line on the balance sheet. So there's always a temptation to go for for cheap over quality. Got it. Got it. That's unusual for a retailer, isn't it, to go for pricing the So, so look, is ship it as a an, an aggregator, I guess, of to, to be able to connect shipping partners with retailers. What problems does your company solve for retailers, and how does that benefit the consumer experience? Because I'm thinking, I'll just add in there as well, thinking about it. You know, we're, we're talking like shipping 
when I said point to point to to mm. someone's home. But uh, we're doing a lot of work with omni-channel processes at the moment. And of course, when you're in a in the kind of never miss a sale uh, arena. There's, there's also, I guess, into-store transfers where if you want to do click and collect, if you've got a product that's near in a store nearby, is being able to ship it from mm. one store to another. Is this something that you you help retailers solve as well as, as part of that kind of shipping problem? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I kind of I kind of refer to ship it as the secret weapon in the uh, the latest onslaught of of kind of retail transformation, right? So. Mm. I think the most important thing, and this is something I talk about quite a bit at the moment, is you know maintaining a level of uh, agility and flexibility within your operations is something that's extremely important for for a modern retailer, um, particularly those in omni-channel. Um, you know, you just have to think about store closures, store opening, mm, yeah. you know, staff cuts, and and bringing staff back in, and that whole piece. You know, even COVID safe handling within distribution centres, and the the chaos that that's causing in terms of driving up cost per pick and and slowing down fulfillment processes, you know, there's, there's a whole range of reasons why agility and flexibility is really important. But ultimately, what it ladders up to is there are three key benefits that that we we always talk to. One is, you know, reducing the absolute cost base for a, for a retailer by optimizing the choice of delivery provider. You know, it's, it's sort of best carrier for the job. That also then feeds itself into a better experience for the end customer. You know, not only will we provide a, a better, you know, and branded experience for a retailer, but we're making that experience consistent across carriers, regardless of who they use. And finally, it's about, you know, the, the time it takes to ship orders out to customers and also respond to customer inquiries. Um, so by having a more streamlined uh, fulfillment process, it saves them a lot of time in, in getting orders out. But on the flip side, by having a better experience, it also reduces the amount of time that a support team needs to spend tending to queries so they can focus on what's more important to their business. Sure, sure. Now, I guess my, my last question is, <clears throat> you know, we've talked about where you've come from, what's going on today. So let's have a quick little peek into the future. Mm-hmm. What, what new innovations are in the pipeline that you're aware of for shipping? You know, we've probably seen the the Amazon drones on TV adverts and, and all that. I haven't seen one in real life yet. Is this going to happen? And what other cool innovations are you aware of coming down the track? Paul, look, I think I think it's a good one to pick on. Uh, we've we've been talking drones for you know a good decade now. Mm. I think we've seen a certain level of commercial application for drones, definitely to regional areas and probably harder to reach spaces. Drones will probably become more prevalent. My view is autonomous vehicles, you know, we're going to see a lot more robotics and automation starting to make more of a presence uh, known within the logistics space. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're still talking about an industry which relies on a truck driver to get in a big truck and go from Melbourne to Sydney every single day and every single night. That in itself seems archaic when you really think about it, considering technologies we have available to us today. Mm. So we'll probably see more automation in what we call line haul. Second piece is um, you're hearing this concept of micro-fulfillment centers and robotics in warehouses. There is a, a tipping point at which we will hit the absolute capacity in a market. I think in the US, they talked about um, the absolute demand, you know, far outstripping the available workforce. So there physically wouldn't be enough people to process the number of parcels that would be hitting the US market uh, in about five to 10 years. Wow. And that presents a massive challenge for logistics in that yep. The process of fulfillment and distribution needs to be as automated as possible. So robotic lifting, robotic sorting, 
robotic picking and micro fulfillment centers uh, is something that's um, becoming more of a reality. Yeah. I think Woolworths, for example, is experimenting with micro fulfillment centers and, and robotics within local stores um, so they can get orders out to, to customers way faster than anyone else. Yeah. And the last point I'll share is, you know, Shopify in the US and Amazon are doing amazing things. Everyone talks a lot about Amazon, but mm. Shopify themselves through their own fulfillment network uh, I think there was an example shared by this, their VP of, of engineering the other day on Twitter, which basically said an order went from placed online to fulfilled and shipped within two hours, and that was done automatically within a fulfillment location powered by Shopify's technology. Wow. And what about um, Uber? Is that, I mean, I know I haven't seen anything personally, but I know I've, I heard of yeah. um, retailers tapping into the Uber network to be able to do, especially if you want to do quick, deli- you know, one hour delivery, three hour delivery in metro areas to, to be using the Uber network. Is that something that's happening? As always, that's something that's coming. It's happening right now. And it's quite funny because five years ago when we knocked on Uber's door to say, hey, why don't you join the platform? Yeah. Uh, there was a major resistance to say, hey, we're a transport company for passenger travel, not for parcel. Mm. You know, fast forward to 2020 in a pandemic, and now they are a transport company that believes in moving anything and parcel deliveries become really high on their agenda. Right. Um, I think it's seen record growth for them globally. Um, in Australia, they're also pushing quite hard we're keen to collaborate with Uber and, and kind of our retail customers as well. But you've also got the likes of Drive Yellow who've been doing this for the last couple of years. They they power sort of, you know, sub one hour delivery or on-demand delivery for the likes of Woolworths and BWS and a number of others. And then you've also got the likes of Sherpa as well. So I think on-demand delivery is definitely seeing an increase, particularly as we start to look at um, store-based fulfillment. Um, the marriage of the two are really important to get right. And that's a big bet that we're kind of investing in ourselves so that we can remove as much friction as possible from the delivery process, make deliveries much smarter, much more cost effective for a retailer. Mate, that's great. Well, we're nearly uh, up for time. So to the listeners, they can see why I um, I always call you when I need any kind of shipping yeah. advice. So thank you very much for, for sharing your thoughts and your experience today. Um, just in case anyone wants to get hold of you, do you want to just quickly tell us uh, the best way for people to get hold of you? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. So you can you can catch me on LinkedIn. Just search for me, Rob Hangozada on LinkedIn. You can catch me on Twitter. Uh, you can also uh, just drop me an email, rob at shipit.com with two Ps or even just head to our website, shipit.com with two Ps and get in touch. That's perfect, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Paul, thank you very much for having me, mate. Really appreciate the time. Great, thank you. Now, I really enjoyed talking to Rob today and I hope you've enjoyed listening to us. If you're interested in learning more about the Realtail Customer Experience Report, just go to www.itworks.company forward slash the Realtail and there you can find more information and some examples of the customer experience report. Thanks for listening and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode.